this this group of knights have come into the town and they sort of set it up to where like, okay, you go that way and flank yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I'll take them from the front. And before you can even really get into a battle with them, they're kind of just like, who are you guys? What are you guys doing? <laughs> we see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the complete hubris of these characters. They, they're going to yeah. jump the toughest soldier in the biggest empire in yeah, the world. Yeah, seriously. They're just going to jump them. <laughs> Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. And today we are joined by Ivan, also known as Orc Brand, on our Discord server. Welcome. Thanks for Hi joining everyone. us. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Um, we have invited you because, at least in our Discord server, you are the expert on Tactics Ogre. But like you were telling me, there's this was really funny to see. Um... We posted our video, and we got two of, I think, the largest video creators around content for the Ogre Battle universe yeah. commenting right away. Oh, very nice. <laughs> which, which, which tells me two things. One, there's not a lot of people making content on this game. Okay. So, like, any time it happens, people get it's really excited. Deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Um, the other thing is that it, it, it said to me right away is this is a very difficult game to get into as a byproduct. Like, I, I was overwhelmed. And I, yeah. I am a Matsuno fan. I have played Vagrant Story multiple times. I have played yes. Final Fantasy Tactics yeah. multiple times. It is very overwhelming at the start. Like, all of the names and the factions oh, yeah. and the ethnic groups and the yep. kingdoms and the people's names. It was just like, holy crap, I yep. have played this for like five hours, and I don't feel like I have a clue what is going on right now. So, like we did with Final Fantasy Tactics, I want to take a large portion of today's episode to just fill in that background. Good. Um, because I think, because there is a large barrier to entry, not only is the game kind of difficult, but like understanding the story can be really difficult in the outset, right at the beginning. Right. So if you can push past this and start getting into it, I think it's one of those games where for those who stuck around stuck around long enough, you know, then they want to go and and share how yeah. great it is with It's people. more rewarding, yeah. Would you say Ivan that that is accurate to as a way to describe the community around this game? Uh, yeah, I would I've said it a couple of times in the Discord. This uh, is up. Uh, it's like you can say this about all Matsuno games, really. He makes games he expects you to marry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, you kind of do end up married to the game. Uh, that's you, good, I like that. <laughs> that's a really good way to put it, actually. Yeah. I really like the way you phrase that. Uh, this is a long-term commitment. <laughs> you're Absolutely. not gonna. This is not a you're casual. You're not gonna sit down with Tactics Ogre uh, and beat this over a weekend or something. Right. You're, you're gonna be playing this for the long, long term. Yeah. So anyway, I want to make that as easy as possible, the transition into it. Because, Good. and, and uh, we, we talked about this again in our Final Fantasy Tactics podcast. For this genre, one of the barriers to entry is the fact that your audience is stepping into an entire world mm -hmm. and universe that has history yep. and all kinds of historical figures and stuff that 
you didn't grow up with in real life. Like right. the real world, yeah. you know, you, you've gone through social studies through high school yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, you've learned whatnot. about world history yeah. a little bit. You're, you're a little bit more familiar with places and names and stuff. And so a story told in the real world, you don't need to sit there and right. be like introduced to like this and that <laughs> country and like this is how they were founded. But yeah, yeah. for a fantasy world, that in order to ease your audience into that, there needs to be sort of a slow introduction to these things. And I feel like Matsuno just tends to not do that super right. well. Well, I almost wonder. <laughs> it's it's kind of like an upfront uh, proposition, basically, right away, yeah. where it's like, hey, look, you're playing this game. You, two minutes into it, you're feeling pretty overwhelmed, huh? That's the kind of game this is, yes. right? You, th It's almost <laughs> like he's showing you right ahead of time, cards on the table, like, look, you'll get to know all of this and it's going to be awesome. It's like anybody, the first time you ever played Settlers of Catan, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> I, I'm sure the person explaining it to you was like, don't worry, once you understand it, That's it's going to be so analogy. much fun. Yeah, <laughs> And it's like, okay, and it is, once you understand it. But there's always that initial, but I feel like, I feel like this game wants people to know that it's deep and that it's expansive mm. right off the bat. And that's, in a way, that's a selling point. Yeah. Um, and it, to that end, Matsuno does not hold back, right? Even yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that way people kind of well, know what they're getting into. Go ahead, Ivan. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you look at the back of the box on the PS1 version, it yeah. describes the game as an RPG sim, as a simulationist game. Mm, and I think it's actually a very good way to look at Matsuno's mm. games is as uh, simulationist experiences. It uses very abstracted ways to um, simulate uh, world history, uh, battles, uh, situation, it, in, a, in a JRPG strategy format. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good way to put so it. So it's not hmm. just like a game per se, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's trying to be more, you know, yeah. trying to make you factor in more variables and, and so on. Yeah. And so, cool. as I was thinking about, because our plan was to cover chapter one today. Yeah. <laughs> as I was thinking about that, I was like, no, I think what I want to do is help ease people into this. Mm. So that we can retain as many people as possible over the long haul, instead of losing a lot of people up front. Because even yeah. I, who <laughs> am into this kind of game and am into this creator, mm. even I was feeling overwhelmed. And so <laughs> I, I have, I have a too. sense that a lot of people probably will be as well. Yeah. So... Let's do that. Now, that being said, a lot of the information we'll be giving today, as um, Ivan will admit, come from two uh, creators in particular that I, that I would love to shout out and thank for their content, okay. um, but also maybe potentially invite if they would like to participate at some point in this podcast to come on and join us in the discussion. Uh, Warren Report is one. Um, mm. He has really really expansive long-form videos explaining the stories of each game in the ogre battle like franchise cool um and so his channel is great also um is it is it potato coffee or coffee potato coffee, coffee potato okay coffee potato is the other and and ivan was telling me this is where he learned a lot about what he knows of the mechanics of the game mm. Um, so do you want to talk about his channel a little bit? I haven't looked at his, at his as much as one. Oh, he, um, he will take a look at like, here's what this class does. And he'll tell you all sorts of mechanics that you weren't even aware were in the game and how they impact all sorts of things. I, it's, it's very, um, he goes in depth. Um, but if you wanted to know, like, how does a, a 
specific uh, classwork, he'll break it down. Okay, so more mechanics focused than uh, yeah, story yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't really you know do much with the story. He's he's just having fun with the game, but he's been playing it for so many years. He knows everything about it. Yeah. Okay, so that that's a pretty good way to. I would say if you're looking for lore, if you're looking for understanding the world of Tactics Ogre, hit up Warren Report, which Warren Report is like a mechanic in this game where you oh, go really? in there and you can read about stuff. So that's where that name comes from. Cool, nice. Uh, that so. is also a reference to um, uh, the JFK Commission. Oh. The Warren Report, the Warren Commission. I the know Warren, about that, yeah. and I can't believe I didn't make that connection. That's so funny, <laughs> especially given what's happening in this game. Yeah. Yeah, that Crazy. was on purpose. That's right, the Warren Report. So, Warren Report for that stuff, and if you want to hit up uh, Coffee Potato for the mechanic stuff, uh, two great channels to check out. I'll try to remember, I guess you'll have to, remember to link those in the description or sure put them in yeah. a pinned comment or something. Of course. And you guys are com for sure invited if you'd like to participate. Just hit us up. Um, Discord is probably the best place to reach us. But, like I said, and I, I don't want to repeat too much here, but I want to set set the table a little bit for this world. So we've got some maps. Um, yeah. We've got I Ivan here to uh, explain, uh, fill in the gaps. Um, but I think maybe what we should start with, since we had talked about ethnic conflicts in the last yeah. episode and how those had sort of influenced Matsuno's ideas for the story, the ethnic groups of Valeria. Okay, okay. And what even it. is Valeria? So uh, why don't I pass it to you, Ivan? Why don't you get us the ball rolling on that discussion? Um, a lot of this information, a lot of the basic setup, uh, most players, they might miss this. If you don't start the game for about 30 seconds, it'll play a cinematic that will set up yes. who everyone is. Yes. Um, but the main three groups are the Bakram, the Galgastanis, and the Wallister, and you will take the role of a Liberation Army of the Wallister in the original translation. That's what it's called. It's good. Walter Wallister resistance. The Wallister are like a ethnic minority. They're about ten percent of the population. They live in the south, um, and they have very little in the way of political power on Valeria. Valeria itself is um, a fairly important trading post on the Obero Sea, which is between two large empires, uh, which are Lotus and Zenobia. Uh, both of which are going to be important to what happens in this game. It's kind of, um, we will see that maybe Valeria is more than just an ethnic conflict. Maybe there is a bit of a proxy war going on. Sure. Mm. Um, and then the other two groups, you have the Galgastanis who make up the majority of the population. Most of Southern Valeria is uh, about 60%, I think, are the Galgastanis who are currently living under an authoritarian uh, regency. Uh, by the Hierophant Balbatos, who is uh, a stand-in for uh, a lot of uh, tyrants in the world, I think. He's, mm. Um, mm. He's very, when you read the war report as you progress through the game, you see he's not popular among the Galgastanis, but he is uh, very much uh, promoting ethnic tensions between the Galgastani and the Wallister. Uh, uh. And there is a lot of resentment that the Galgastanis uh, have over the Wallister, over what occurred in the prehistory of the game. We'll talk about that maybe in a bit. Okay. Um, and then you have the Bakram, who are kind of, uh, there's there's also a minority, they're about 20% of the population. They live in the Northeast, but they are kind of like better off. They're well off. 
Um, they were connected to the old dynast king Dolgaroa, and so a lot of them are kind of privileged, and uh, they are not too involved in the ethnic conflict between Galgasan and Wallister, but, you know, they don't have good relations with either of them, uh, and uh, they kind of have kind of been they're called the Bakram Valeria kingdom rather than just Bakram like the Gagastanis are the Gagastani kingdom uh the Wallister they're, uh, they're ruled by a duke they don't really have a, a, a state it's right a now duchy if they're ruled by a duke a duchy, a duchy. yeah but but the duke <laughs> is in prison at the beginning of the game so they don't right. really have any um any well isn't it isn't it true that they have already mostly been conquered in yeah. the fighting between so at the point the game starts the Wallisters are pretty much, they've been just designated some small piece of, yeah. of land and, uh, yeah, basically. and they don't have a leader or anything like that. But they used to inhabit most of the southern part of the Valerian, the, the main Valerian island, right? Uh, yeah. They, they were never like a, Galgasani, as far as I am aware, were always generally the majority. Yeah. Um, but at, during uh, the reign of, I don't know if it was during the reign of Dolgaro, I'm pretty sure it was. But also before he came to power, there was a time where the Wallisters held political power over the Galgastanis, and they were mm. not kind to them. Okay. The which tables, is which is what stoked a lot of the turned... ethnic resentment with mm. the Galgastanis today, because the right. political protections of the Dynast King were gone. Gotcha. Hmm. So let's talk about the Dynast King real quick. So... There, there. These three factions existed before Valeria was united by the Dynast King, um, and they had their wars and everything like that. But Dynast King was the one who essentially won out through those conflicts and totally united Valeria under one sort of kingdom. Called it the Kingdom of Valeria, right? Um, but yeah. Now, well, go ahead. Those three groups were there, but there were actually like about five or six kingdoms before right. Dorgalra took over. Right. Yes. So they um, were not they were not all like separated out. It was it was a lot more of a unstable situation. Yeah. Hmm. Um but then that's that's what so that's catches us up to basically what we see at the beginning of yeah. the the intro movie that you're Well, I, I, there to. is I, I do think I, I I didn't touch on the Bakram enough. Okay, um, go ahead. Because it is important that it, they are, uh, they call themselves the Bakran Valeria Kingdoms because they're kind of the successor state to Dorgalawa. They're connected to the Queen's family and they're ruled by the regent Branton. Now, in order to secure his power, uh, he, came, he went to Lotus, the, the big empire to the north, and he secured the alliance of the Dark Knights. Los, uh, Los, Los Lorian. Um, Los Lorian, love it. Um, yeah. And they came to Valeria and they are like an elite. Um, knighthood of uh, of the most powerful empire in the known world right now. So uh, this gives Branton a, high, a, a great political and also military advantage over Galgastan, despite their minority in comparison. But that comes at a cost as well, right? So he, yeah, like you said, the Bakram make up twenty percent of the population, or whatever. So, but he has the support of Lotus, but also. With with the support of Lotus comes, uh, Lotus has their yes, own. Their support, but I'm, yeah, they have their own agenda. Ooh. They're not exactly fighting for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's dealing with that. He's dealing with. I have these knights. They're here, and and the support of Lotus, but at the same time, 
they have their own agenda. They're not necessarily just going to support me in this. So that's what he's Branton is dealing with in Bakran. So it almost yeah, sounds like they're symbol. mercenaries then, right? Say again, Casey. The knights are the knights mercenaries? Is that no. Not no? mercenaries no. in the sense that they were hired as much as there was an alliance made between Branton and Lotus in exchange for and this is going to come in later, so I'm not going to spoil it, but in exchange for certain information in that he gave to Lotus, um, they are helping him okay. with his war there. Okay, I Does see. that make sense? Interesting. They are like uh, an official knighthood of a state, and they are there as representatives of that state. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that should more or less catch us up, give us a little bit of, of a background so we know where things are. Main thing is... The, the, the game world that we play in is basically an, the island of Valeria. Mm. Uh, there's many islands, but they're all kind of connected. And at one time, what was one kingdom? Now there, now it's now there's three factions there. Yeah. Um, and we are, our characters are Wallisters who have just gone through this war against the Galgastani and lost. They have no yeah. home anymore. They are oppressed and persecuted. And there is a resistance that has been started to try to continue to fight back and win back some of their territory from the Galgastani. Yeah. Um, and that'll happen on the heels of the Dynasty King dying. Yes. Right. Uh, Dor Galua. Uh, yes. He died about two years. Oh, no. I'm sorry. He died about 20 years ago. Um, 20 yeah. years before the game starts. Okay. Yeah. And he, he was a figure kind of like um, Oda Nobunaga or Hideyoshi in ancient Japan. Uh, 16th century Japan that united all the feudal, yes, you know, right. groups together, yeah. and then all of a sudden everything was united. Everything's great, um, seemingly so. The narrator says there was peace for 50 mm. years, I think. And as soon as he dies, boom, all the factions break back up. Everyone's, you know, the countries kind of start to form. Borders start showing up again, and yep. and the the um, what you call it, the ethnic conflicts kind of start up again. So there was something about the dynasty king where he was able to uh, keep order. Um, in a way that whoever his successor was, was not able to do. Right. I, w I um, would compare him uh, because of the Yugoslavia connection. I would actually look ah, at uh, right. Josipito. Oh, interesting. Milosevic was the Serbian leader uh, after Tito. Tito was the communist leader who led communist Yugoslavia. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so just to briefly recap here, just the, the nations. Lodician Empire, they're the most powerful empire in the world. They're up north of where our islands are at. Then you have New Zenobia down to like the southeast. And then you have mm -hmm. Valeria, these islands kind of in between. And the reason why Valeria is important, uh, isn't it? They, they had sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the strategic value of the Valerian islands. It had to do with trade and things like that, didn't it? They're a strategic port uh, in the middle of uh, port, an ocean that yeah. connects to a lot of different right. countries. Yeah, so it, the, a lot of countries would come there, meet there to do their trading and things like that, right? Or, or as as a means for uh, uh, the ships to 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 stop in port on way to somewhere else. It's 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 just a, a general like a shipping hub, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of trade and goods come through there. So. Um, Okay, so that kind of, as long as we've shown the map simultaneously, like people should be able to piece yeah. where things are now, right? 
Um, anything else that you can think of, uh, Ivan, as far as, uh, cause what, what, what I'm, well, what my goal is with this is not to go through all of the lore of this world in such a way to where we're now like omniscient, right? right. Um, and we right. know everything that's going on. What I want to do is catch us up to speed on what denim would know about his own world uh, right. so i don't want to know the things that denim doesn't know because those things will be revealed and those will be big surprises and parts mm. of the story as it's going throughout but i want to know as much as he does know so i at least understand oh when somebody comes up to me and says they're from new zenobia i know what that means <laughs> <laughs> um and and why and what would that implicate what is new zenobia's relationship with the Wallister or with Valeria as a whole and in opposition to Lodicia. So what else do you think we should know uh, before getting into this uh, on those terms? Well, as, as far as Denim goes, he doesn't know a whole lot about Zenobia, but uh, the player would if he played Ogre Battle, uh, because that is the oh. setting of the of that game. And um, ah. okay. huh. Interesting. Zenobia itself is a smaller kingdom within a larger uh Cytagenean uh, continent, and uh, that was conquered by the, the Black Queen of the villain of the the first game, original game. It was yeah. the Sorcerer Shidi, all of that, and they've just just now they've just off the heels off that conflict. Uh, they've been united under King Tristan. the The old bloodline is you know back in power, but it New Zenobia is a much larger kingdom than Zenobia itself. Uh, mm. It contains like uh, the kingdoms of Highland. Um, the kingdom of uh, Sharon, that's where Hamilton is from. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's now becoming a more powerful country, but it's nowhere near as powerful as Lotus is. It's still a kind of a, a high prestige place because a lot of heroes of the mythology uh, were just there recently, you know? Um, hmm. And it's tied, it has its own religion that's separate from the one that's in Tactics Ogre. Um, Rochefalism, which is uh, Lotus and Valeria share a religion, but Zenobia doesn't really, but it doesn't really come Oh, up. that's good to know. That's interesting. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's actually what I was going to get into next, because right when you start the game off, right, um, you're picking goddesses to be aligned mm -hmm. with. What should we know yeah. about the world's mythology um, that would be relevant to some of these conflicts? I know that in the dev history that we read last time, uh, Matsuna was saying that the gods are less directly involved in this story than right. they were in Ogre Battle. But what if any role that they play in the world as it pertains to this story, it would be helpful for us to understand going into it? So I think this is a... Uh, Ogre Battle was a very high fantasy story where you actually met some gods. Uh, you had some join your army. Uh, there were angels and there were demons and there were you, you could get involved in all sorts of ways and get different endings by getting involved with those different factions. But in Tactics Ogre, it's a lot more grounded um, where these factions don't really, the celestial factions, if you will, don't really play into the much of the main storyline, but they do exist. Uh, they do uh, have some powers. They do grant powers and... Uh, you, you might encounter some if you get far enough in the game or explore the postman. <laughs> Interesting, okay. Um, but they are not uh, very active participants in the politics of 
from Valeria. So when you're choosing a goddess to be aligned with at the beginning of the game, that's more or less just assigning you an elemental affinity, right? Yes. It, it's and it's Reborn, nothing beyond that. This is, in Reborn, this is even uh, a little less meaningful than in the original version, because oh, really? in that one, you could not change your element pretty much ever. In Reborn, you get charms and you can change Denim's element as, as easily as anyone else's, um, hmm. eventually. It, it's not immediately unlocked, but there's no real... Um, significance to what element you choose in the story okay um then there's the birthday the, oh yeah there's oh, the zodiac birthday. considerations let me let, let me let me uh, tarot cards yes let me say <laughs> something about that real quick so in final fantasy tactics as as i'm you know starting my file here and i'm like making choices i'm sitting here going these might be really important mm -hmm. <laughs> because they Which were one? in Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Uh, you know, your your Zodiac sign in that game yeah. actually made a difference right. when you fought against characters Some, of an opposing yeah. Zodiac sign or an, an, uh, a Zodiac sign that would... Um, uh, or opposites or complementary. Or yeah. complementary. Um, so, like, that was a big key. And so then when recruiting characters, you wanted to recruit characters that were supplemental to your yeah. zodiac sign and whatnot um otherwise you'd you'd get more missing or, or failure in the rng of the game yeah. so i'm sitting here selecting all these choices and going am i screwing myself over i know it does it work the same here <laughs> as it does in final fantasy tactics at all or is this just make whatever choice you want um the birthday doesn't uh have any meaning uh in fact no. uh, one of the things i don't like about the reborn version is that nobody's uh warm report ages are static in the original version of the game when uh as time progresses because as you move through cities uh the calendar moves right. up yeah uh, characters would go through birthdays and they would age up in this game there's nothing really um relevant about the birthdays in other ogre battle games ogre battle 64 if you if if a character has a birthday they might get a gift um there was a little <laughs> oh, scene wow. that would play That's and it cool. had a gameplay significance but in this one it doesn't really uh, but the calendar does have some significance in that there are seasons in this game which affect the weather patterns in, in the battles. So depending on what time of year you're playing, uh, the you might be more likely or less likely to have rain on the battlefield. Hmm. Although a lot of story battles, this is um, this is preset somewhat. So it's <laughs> a little less noticeable in Reborn. I, okay. I noticed somebody in the Discord complaining about recruiting a character because one of the requirements was that it was raining in the scene um how, how yes. often is that sort of thing going to happen here where the requirements for recruiting are very thing. specific like that uh that i know exactly the character you're talking about um and uh yeah she's always been recruited like that in every version of the game it was okay. actually a little bit more annoying on the psp version where you couldn't go into training mode use an item to cause rain and then leave uh um. You had to just kind of walk back and forth until the rainy season hit you when you stepped into it, uh, as far as I remember. But yeah, that, that is uh, a late game character that is uh, a little bit annoying to recruit because the game doesn't give you any hints on how to do it. But that doesn't generally come up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she okay. is a special case. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I guess to, to round off this part of the conversation... I mean, I was just watching today my Final Fantasy Tactics 10 tips on how to get started and, and all mm. the advice I was giving about recruiting characters and you should do this or shouldn't do that. Is there anything oh, people should know? Advice. 
yeah, is, is there anything people should know? Because I got to that point where I was supposed to be recruiting characters, and I, I, I thought back to my own tactics video. I was like, I bet there's a whole lot here I don't understand, and that if I'm just picking characters, I'm going to do something wrong. I might want to restart my game after having spoken with Ivan on the podcast and getting better advice <laughs> on how I should recruit. Yeah. Hmm. So do you have anything there? When you say recruit, do you mean like just building your party uh, in general? Well, like, or you... well, like when you when you hire um, like soldiers there at the very beginning after the first few battles. I think it's after Almorica, um, oh, yeah. where you're actually recruiting a full like party that you're yeah. going to control, right? Um, is, is there something people should know there, or do you just kind of pick what I think you feel you, like picking? It depends. Uh, if you have, if you're playing the game for the first time, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Just get take the party that they give you. Um, uh, there is a little bit of a thing you can you can pick the gender of the recruits that you'll get, depending on how you treat anything? Hamilton at the beginning of the game. It's not. It's kind of like a. It doesn't tell you this is going to happen, but if you treat Hamilton with a lot of suspicion. You're going to get a female party, and if you just go along with them, uh, you're going to get a male party. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Okay. But uh, you're going to... You, you, hmm. you don't really have to worry so much about whether you're recruiting the wrong characters or building in the wrong way. It, the progression doesn't really... You can't really screw it up. Okay, that's that's mostly uh, what how I you use your Am I screwing and... it up? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. It's really about how you use the tools in your toolbox. Um, you really can't mess up the progression of uh, any unit in a like you you raise them in the wrong class and you switch them because every class has its use. Um, and even if you if you want to change classes, it doesn't affect you that badly. Uh, you might have to level up some skill, uh, some weapon ranks that are different. But other than that, it's it, it's actually pretty smooth. You, it doesn't punish you for how you build your party. Okay, great. Good. Um, okay, so uh, last thing we didn't really uh, we kind of got sidetracked from this. Um, the religions. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, who is what religion, and are these religions important in the conflicts? Hmm. Um. So religious. Uh, everybody in Valeria is more or less the same religion. Lotus and Valeria are about the same religion. Later games there might develop that, but there's really no. Um, not really a religious conflict in that okay. everybody has the same basic pantheon uh with uh the god falaha at the top that's generally the mm, cult yeah. that they're all in uh it doesn't seem like any of the elemental cults have uh any particular power over any others uh ogre battle 64 that's different but um there is this, like a, so, there are some minor religions that are uh described in the flavor text and referred to occasionally but don't really play a role in the events which is yeah. the uh the sea god vask you encounter a reference to him fairly early on in the game, but uh, as far as it goes, what well, it's important to there are just to know that the Falaha religion is very powerful in Valeria, and so a lot of the political figures are from the clergy. Yeah, okay. um, and if I'm not mistaken, that name Falaha that is regarded. I mean, I would say canonically in the world as like the main god of this universe, right? Like that's a true god figurehead, not like an invented religion with a like a an, an idol or some god that they've made up. That's a real god in this world, right? You know, I've seen less evidence of him than the other ones. Really? <laughs> well, the goddesses, right? So yeah, the goddesses you, you, are real. You don't see him get involved in much. Um, but it's a I, it is, it is, it is 
the Falaha religion is the official religion of Lotus, and it uh, Lotus is ruled by a pope uh, in the original right. translation and the uh, high priest in the new one. So the Falaha, whether or not it's real, uh, it's enforced by force. Well, yeah. it, the goddesses seem to. Well, uh, they are definitely real because you can summon. Yes, them yes, now. but they they seem to believe in a father that unites them all, right? That I think I read yeah. that in the text of the game. So Falaha is, you're saying, the the father of these uh, of Right, these I'm goddesses. just saying, he, as That's far what as seems the other to be in the game. he's the least involved. Uh, least okay. involved in yeah. like the actual dance. Like like um, Iluvatar in the similar. Yeah, Eru Iluvatar. That, that yeah. was going to be the point of reference I was going to use. Yeah, he's okay, like okay. Eru Iluvatar or something too, from yeah. Tolkien's uh, Middle-Earth mythology. Um, okay, so... You you mentioned there that lo that the the conflict in the game is not really a religious one, but um, I just wanted to clarify: isn't Lotus itself sort of in the midst of like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Affirmation. When when the Christians went and tried to conquer all the freaking Muslims. oh a crusade a crusade <laughs> it isn't yes. Lotus. Let me reword that. Isn't Lotus currently using or, or in the midst of a crusade against like the rest crusade. of the world? And it is in the name of spreading this religion yes. of Falaha, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So yeah. Lotus at least is interested primarily in advancing this religion okay. of Falaha. That's that's well, why that they're is, motivated. Uh, the official line. They do. You know, okay. We don't know what their actually primary interests are. I think we'll find that um, they might be a little different than we expect. Okay. Does the church have their own military? Uh, the order, the Templar knights that we meet, the Dark Knights themselves, are uh, the military of the church. They are actually personal. They're knights of, of that's the right, they're holy knights. They call themselves holy knights of... Well, the holy knights of Zenobia oh, is that are that? a different... Oh, that's that's, right. that's This is why I wanted to clarify okay. this. Okay, so good. Zenobia's yeah, religion... Zenobia's religion is different than Lotus's. New Zenobia, where... The holy knights come from. That's yeah. a different religion than okay. the dark knights who come That's from right. Lotus. Yeah. But those dark knights, yeah, would be probably the equivalent of the Knights Templar. Okay. That, yeah. In the definitely. Christian Crusades, okay. right? Well, their class um, is actually called the Knight Templar. Yeah. Oh, very nice. When you yeah. meet some of the bosses, that's what their class is. Okay. Okay. So, what is the religion of Zenobia, and what should we know about that? The, the holy knight order, right? Um, it doesn't really come up in this game, uh, but they are in, in Ogre Battle, they were Rochefellian, and it had to do with the 12 uh, sages and the heroes of the previous Ogre Battle. Uh, these were legitimate like icons of uh, history. They went up to live on floating cities. You actually meet um, a lot of them in Ogre Battle. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's not at all related to the Lodician religion. They... Their, their priesthood is different, um, okay. and there are actual angels that have blessed the Holy King Tristan. So, <laughs> <laughs> like legitimate, real angels, right? So, like you recruit one uh, in during oh. the course of ogre battle. If um, oh. oh, nice, if you, or you if you, if you're not evil, if you're going for the for the good ending. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Right. Okay. Um. So now that we have all of that, I think we can actually start diving into the opening scenes. I think yeah. that that has helped clarify for me. I can picture in my mind where these empires and kingdoms and things are at, 
you know, what they believe and, and the ethnic factions of the island of Valeria. Um, so when we hear terms like Wallister, Galgastani, Bakram, we know what they're talking about, right? So let's go ahead and uh, dive in here to chapter one. Well, actually, before chapter one, it's sort of uh, the opening credits sequence of the game. Yeah. This is something that uh, Yasumi Matsuno loves to do. He loves to do these opening credits where he's showing you some um, intense or interesting event, and he's he's doing his slams to black. That's um, right. He, yeah, he, yeah. This was text. excellently done in Vagrant Story. I think Vagrant oh, Story yeah. is one of the best examples of this I've ever seen. Agree. Using slams to black. Yeah. Like in the midst of the scene going on to sort of like build the intrigue further. Yeah. Like a question comes up, a mystery, and yeah. then he slams to black and like cuts away from that. Yeah. You're like, wait, what was going on with that? But now we've got like this new thing coming in. And, oh, who's this guy? Um, this opening sequence is not nearly as interesting as that. Right. But it is important to note like what's going on in this scene because mm. I don't think I understood it very well. I don't think like as the as it's shown in sequence, I like really understood who's that, who's that, you what, don't what's know going who on here. Anyone is. It's almost like in retrospect, when mm. you learn information, you go back to the scene and go, Oh, that's Prancet. That's um yeah. uh Denim and, and Kachua's father being taken away as a prisoner. By the Dark Knights, and that's Dark Knight Lancelot, Lancelot. <laughs> who is Dark leading Lancelot. this sort of like raid on this little village. Yeah. And that is Vice riding on a horse back towards the town. He wasn't there when it happened. Mm. You know, I didn't know any of this right. just by watching the scene itself. <laughs> so it was not clear that's to funny. me what was going on there until I had already played further into the game, learned some characters' names, and came back and watched it again. So, let's kind of break that down that scene a little bit. Um, okay. First of all, uh, we oh, I have the script pulled up here. It's an age of war. The wheel begins to turn. We have snow falling on a rustic settlement at night, overlooking the village. Um, there's there's a an armed force there and a one-eyed rider in the lead. So a guy with an eye patch. Yep. This is the Dark Knight Lancelot. Yes. One-eyed Lance. Yes. That's what I call him. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to remember it. One-eyed Lance. In the old translation, yeah. he was just Lance. They were both Lance. Right. Oh. Which is oh, how yeah. I initially was. Oh, yeah. so you were playing that Lance. version, and that's why. that. Yes, the, but I'm the, now playing Reborn. Right. I am not playing the SNES version. I'm playing the same version. The reborn version. Um, oh, by the way. <laughs> the translation was, was much better. It was brought up to me. You can play that version in Japanese if you want to. Oh, very cool. With the um, English yeah, uh, With English voices, but not the whole game isn't isn't um, voice acted. Well, no, you Much can play it in Japanese no, voices. Oh, voice I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, I should do that. And then read it in English is what I'm saying. I should do that. So That's awesome. uh, we figured that would probably be a good way for you to approach it if oh, you yeah. want to make comparisons good, good. between the Japanese and the English. Listen to it in Japanese. Read it in English. I would love see, that. Yeah, I would love. So to do that's that. an option that you can do in the reborn version, which is something Ivan brought up, and I forgot Perfect. to tell you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, um, also at the very very beginning, you see a candlelight um, that's kind of revealing the ruins on a wall oh, of an yeah. ancient civilization, right? And that so, mural's really cool. It's really cool, and you're seeing just you're seeing glimpses of it before you the whole thing is revealed. Yes, um, and you're seeing it's all crackly and stuff. Like we're we're hearing a story that happened a long time ago, mm. and we're seeing images of a past that is like well well over, uh, but. 
in the course of this intro, it's kind of bringing that past back to life, right? Mm-hmm. As the candle kind of moves over things, the, the what would you call it? Like the decay and all of the oldness of the ruins kind of fades away and you get to see it as it was, right? Yeah. So we're in the future and we're being pulled into this story from the past. And that's actually very oh, similar to Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, get the book. Oh, what's the guy's name? The Chronicler? The Chronicler? Oh, um, from Final Fantasy Tactics, yeah. Uh, I forget his uh, name. Aslam? Aslam. Aslam, that's his yes. name. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, Dubai or something like that. Anyways. Um, the The Durai Papers. Durai, that's it, Durai. And so the connections between Final Fantasy Tactics and this game start there, and they don't end anytime yeah. soon. There are tons of, of very, very interesting connections, but there's some pretty big differences, too. Um, I wanted to read the line here that it says uh, as the scene plays out. Sing me of a time long past. Oh, sing to me of a time long past, a time when men answered to power alone, ruled by steel, steeped in darkness. Sing of an age called... Zytogenia. Okay, so that that name. That's the era. Well, that was actually yeah. the kingdom that preceded New Zenobia. Oh, really? Oh, so it's called or the, the Empire. The so they named the age after yeah. the kingdom. Yeah, so the sense. New Zenobian, is it an empire to Zenobia or is that a kingdom? New Zenobia Kingdom is what it's called. I okay, think so it's technically it's more of an empire, but it's a kingdom. So the <laughs> New Zenobian Kingdom is what rose, is what replaced Whatever that word is, Zytogenia. Zytogenia. So, real quick question: Is that the main sort of like faction you fight against in the ogre battle, the original game, Zytogenia? Um. Yes. Uh. She's yeah. Zytogenian Empire controls that territory, and that's basically what you're fighting against. Uh, she was more based in the Kingdom of Highland, which before she took over. Okay. Uh, so that was that was her domain, and then she spread out and. She, there is lore about that, um, and she did that. Uh, you find out, but when you beat over battle, to uh, out of fear of Lotus of taking over. So uh, she was eventually corrupted by her uh, advisor Rashidi, who wanted to start the ogre battle, and she became an evil queen. But the intentions for her taking over and becoming the Black Queen were actually in uh, response to the growing power of Lotus. Gotcha. So the conflict of the first game was essentially the story of how new Zenobia came to be and took over what was once Zytogenia, right? Is that more or less correct? Zytogenia. Zytogenia, They spell it differently yes. uh, in this version. They, they made it a Z and a Y, but it used to be spelled with a Z-E. With a Z. Zytogenia. Yeah. Oh, a Z. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, that's what that word is yeah, in okay. that sort of intro movie. Makes sense. Um, then you get a little movie that plays, um, it plays before the start screen, but it's just a bunch of like, um, scenes, I guess, just like brief. Yeah. This scenes. is the one I was just talking okay, about the okay. attack on the village by Lancelot. Yeah. So, um, it is an age of war. The wheel begins to turn, right? So this is once again, a reference to the wheel of fortune, the wheel of Samsara, the, the cycle of war and death, rinse and repeat over and over and over struggling, suffering, death. And rebirth into more struggling, suffering, yep. and death. Exactly. Um, so that's what this uh, game's going after. And I, it's so interesting that they have tarot cards and zodiac stuff in terms of when you're born. Mm-hmm. But I guess it doesn't factor too much into it. But if I'm just going to read uh, some themes of this game based on that, like, you know, 
Uh, the tarot cards are yeah. a theme in uh, all the Ogre Battle games. Oh, are they? Like the cool. Yeah, uh, I think not Ogre Battle 64, but uh, Ogre Battle begins with a tarot reading as well. Nice. So does well, uh, Knight of Lotus. Matsuno has a thing for uh, the Zodiac stuff. The tarot theme is, is <laughs> the just like a running theme across all Ogre Battle properties. It's, uh, there's a lot of yeah. references to it. Um, well, this is a, a story theme. and a world where fate will play heavily into what happens um, sure. and whether or not certain things can be can be stopped from happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I heard you saying real quick there, Ivan, there was something he had been talking about that you had something you wanted to add to. It was around the time um, he was about, reading. Uh, it was about the, the framing of history between this game and Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. There's... It's really interesting, actually. This is this is something that you find to be becomes more true in through all of Matsuno's games. But this is, I feel like, he developed the the style through this one. Uh, that Final Fantasy Tactics has like a as two, even three uh, layers of history where the game begins. Like it starts out with Arislan telling you, everyone knows about the hero king Delita, but who's this Ramza guy? You know. Yeah. And now the real story can be told. And you right. guys covered that in your Final Fantasy Tactics yeah. podcast. But then it goes down even deeper than that. You start chapter one, and Ramza is now telling the story of his life up to the point at the beginning of the game. And it basically is kind of scaffolding you into the world, mm. getting you deeper and deeper so that you kind of absorb what's happening without necessarily realizing it. You're just mm. kind of getting pulled down into the rabbit hole. In Tactics Ogre, you have less of that. You have uh, just <laughs> yes. about one layer of history. You have that. The <laughs> and it's Nike all engineer. just right there. And then it's your present now. Now, that's your problem yeah. to deal with. And you are making this history yourself. I think there's a... It's a it's a very interesting difference between these two. Because it's like... He pulls you into the history of Ivalice in Final Fantasy Tactics to tell you Ramza's personal story. But then he puts you in Denim's shoes to tell you the history of Valeria. It's it's mm. one comes off as a little mm. bit more personal and easier to digest, and the other one is you know a lot more blunt. Yeah, you know okay. that word blunt. That I I had mm. another person I was talking to over the weekend last week use the same word to describe the story of Final Fantasy or not Final Fantasy Tactics to describe the story of Tactics Ogre in comparison. Um. And we were talking about this a little bit with the difference between, say, Delita and Ramza's relationship in Tactics versus Vice's and Denim's relationship in this one. Yeah. It seems to be a little yeah. less personal in sort of the way it approaches telling the story and a little bit yeah. more, I don't know what the word would be, blunt. I would call uh, it and, analytical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe just yeah, like... Less emotional. Less emotionally driven by characters relationships um, and feelings and more driven by the the outer conflicts um actually yeah. i wanted to bring up another thing is uh it makes a lot more sense the way that matsuno develops his stories when you know that he used to be his career began as a foreign news correspondent for a newspaper oh really i did not know that i didn't know that yes um, I, I found that in some interviews uh, wow uh once you know that you kind of see where it's where a lot of the impersonal sort of things are coming from because uh the game kind of works as a news report 
And that, yes. that's why the one layer of history is, is um, like, uh, you're reading a memoir or like a revision of history when you're playing Final Fantasy Tactics, but you're reading the news when you are playing Tactics Ogre. Um, and it's like the Warren Report when you read the talk articles or the, uh, the rumor, or, uh, yeah, the talk section. It's written almost like, in a, like a, not far off from the Associated Press, you know. Sure. It's trying to avoid speculation. It's staying in the present tense. It's trying to remain impersonal and just kind of delivering you the events as uh, as they've been reported. Stay tuned as we find out more. You know, um, yeah. so it's uh, I thought that was an that was a thing to keep in mind that that the news reporter thing. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm really, really glad you brought that up. And the word impersonal was the word I was looking for. Mm. That this game's story feels a little bit more impersonal than maybe yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics or, or something like that. So, um, you know, just just kind of keep that in mind as far as your expectations for what, what's coming up. Now, to jump back into that opening scene, right? Yeah. So what we see is Lancelot and his Dark Knights up above this town. Yep. They go down and attack it. Now, we've already established that these are Knights of Lotus, so they would be allied with, um, what is his name? Bran, 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 Branset? Bran. What's, what's Branton. Branton and Bakram, right? Um, and as far as I understand, they're not involved in this fight between the Galgastani and the Wallister at this time period, right? They're not. Okay. In fact, so uh, it, this is not even Bakram territory. Right. So this already, hmm. it, when you understand this, is building a bit of a mystery. Why are <laughs> Dark Knights of Lotus and and uh, right. allies of Bakram, uh, uh, of, of Branton, here in Wallister territory, hmm. slaughtering these people? Um, so that, that already builds a bit of intrigue there. Now, we also yeah. see shots of Vice on a horse yeah. rushing back to town. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not there, he's not present when this happened. Um, we see children crying as their parents are slaughtered in front of them. And lastly, you see from a monastery, a man being taken prisoner, and a, a boy who runs out and is sort of grabbed by his sister. This right. is Denim and Cachua. She's sort so. of stopping yeah. him from pursuing them. Right. And this is their father, Prancet, being taken away. So this yeah. is what you see in that little opening credit sequence. And it leads right into Vice years later, yeah. walking out of that same monastery into the house of Kachua well, um, and Denim. Actually, I think you're, um, you're misinterpreting Vice riding the horse. The, That's not uh, Vice? The events of, it is Vice, but the events are happening, uh, you know, the, the massacre is happening a year in the past. Vice is riding his horse in the present. In the present. Ah, okay, gotcha. He does look a little older. Okay, so we're cutting between something that happened right. in the past it's and something like, that and him in the present. Got it. So Vice is mm. rushing in the present, or riding, I shouldn't say rushing, riding in the present to meet with Kachua and Denim about their plan to essentially get back at the Dark Knight Lancet who came okay. and ransacked their town. And that's the, is, that's sort of the setup for this opening okay. scene, right? And he is remembering the past as he rides back there to you that go. city. Yeah, he's thinking about it while yeah. he's yeah. riding. That's a good way. Maybe in a narrative way that makes sense. This is his motivation. This is why he's so yeah. mad. Got it. Okay, so then we open up with uh, Vice coming in. Yeah. He says, it's as we heard, Denim, Lancelot has returned. So as far as they're aware, 
Lancelot is just this uh, one-eyed dark knight yes. from. <laughs> uh, well, do they know he's from from Lotus? I would assume they would know that. Yeah, they right? know he's from Lotus. He's, they're they're the dark knights. You know, everybody's right. heard of them. They're yeah. they're very important these days. Big shots. Yeah. So this is not related to their anger towards the Galgastani. This is a totally separate thing. These dudes, not related to to our struggle against the Galgastani, our ethnic mm. struggle, came in and did this. We want revenge on those guys, right? Yeah. But they are part of a resistance already that is uh, intending to fight back against the Galgastani. So these are two separate goals right. that these people have. Yeah. They want their revenge on Lancelot for slaughtering their people in their town, but they also are part of resistance that is not fighting against them. It's fighting against the Galgastani, a different right. faction. Um, oh, um, we should probably mention the name of the chapter. Um, yes, yes, go ahead. So there is blood on my hands. How long till it lies on my heart? Um, in the original version, it was, are you telling me to stain my hands? Question mm. mark. Well, as, I mean, I want to say I like the, the new one better than what it was, uh, but I guess I'd have to wait to play the game a little bit more. I, I When I played the original version, I always thought that was a very intriguing uh, title. Because yes. it's asking you a very, you know, like, are you telling me to stain my hands? What does that mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. And it is a question. It doesn't, it's not like a. You're right. This one's basically just assuming just there it, are, there is blood. There is already hands. blood on my yeah, hand. Yeah, already done. The only question done? is, and it says heart, but I'm going to say soul. Sure. Like at what point mm -hmm. does my deeds begin to affect my soul? And at what point does me making an excuse for doing things that are questionable um, make me become that monster that I'm trying to fight against kind of right. thing. So that's, that's a, it's still a question, uh, but it's a little more pointed and that yeah. other one's a little bit more vague. I would assume I, that this funny. is a, a sort of um, foreshadow for the big yeah. decision you make at the end of the Which chapter. I think the previous yeah. one was as well. Yeah. So keep that in mind. That That's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, this is a setup for a big choice that we'll make at the end of the chapter. Yeah. So Denim is basically all keyed up to set an ambush for Lancelot when he enters the town. Um, and and Kachua seems to be very against this, right? So yeah. she's like, no, we got to end this match. We can't beat him. You know that. Right. Vice is saying, what are you saying, Kachua? You'd have us pass up a chance like this? She says, it's foolishness to think the three of us might defeat the Dark Knights. Right. And they, I mean, these are the same guys from the intro we saw there. Like, yes. how, are they, how are they intending, the three of them, yeah. uh, to do that? It, it does seem like a crazy thing. Um, Denim says, they're the ones who have been foolish and we stand to gain. So Denim's on board. Vice, don't tell me you're scared. If you lost your taste for blood, I'll do this myself. Um, and then Denim says, that's enough, Vice, let's go. Uh, she kind of pulls Denim aside a little bit and tries to talk to him. Is this, this might be after the scene where we actually. Yeah, that, that'll Lance, be after. Hammett, yeah. Okay, so that'll be after. Okay. So they go outside and um, this this group of knights have come into the town and they sort of set it up to where like, okay, you go that way and flank yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I'll take them from the front. And before you can even really get into a battle with them, they're kind of just like, who are you guys? What are you guys doing? <laughs> we see you. Yeah, <laughs> the, the complete hubris of these characters. They, they're going to yeah. jump the toughest soldier and the biggest empire yeah, in the world. Yeah, seriously. They're just going to jump them. <laughs> and yeah. you know, Kachua 
seems to be something along the lines of the voice of reason yes. here. She really uh, was the voice of reason in that one. Yes. Throughout I, along all of chapter one, she seems to be. Um, Denim seems to be kind of in the middle. He could go either way. And then Vice yes. <laughs> is freaking... He's interesting. We'll he's, put it that he's way. He's not thinking he about is it. Not, he's all emotional. <laughs> he is not the voice of reason. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. <laughs> so uh, it turns out, as they talk to these knights, yes, the leader of, of these knights is a man yeah. named Lancelot, but I'm not the guy you're talking about. Right. Like, <laughs> I am not with the Dark Knights. I'm with the Holy Knights of New Zenobia. Totally different, different thing. country. Different See, place. <laughs> Now, I, upon first playing this, I'm like, okay, he told me it's a different place, so of course it's a different place. But when one person says, oh, no, I'm not one of the Dark Knights, I'm one of the Holy Knights, yeah. I'm thinking, like, what? Who, who, okay, whatever. <laughs> Are, is like, does he think, do they call themselves Holy Knights, but they're actually the Dark Knights? Yeah. Um, well, I think you're meant to have some suspicion, because right. you're even given the option to express suspicion about them. True, yes, uh, that's In the right. dialogue choices. That's right. So I, I think... They that they they well at least Vice is, is is suspicious. Oh, very much. And um, yeah, not sure if he can trust them and whatnot. So I think you are meant to feel a little bit suspicious of Hamilton, Hamilton Lancelot yeah. at first yes, that he's yes, not yes. really who he says he is. Right. Um. But they they claim to have been exiled from New Zenobia. Right. And that they don't have loyalty to anybody right now. They're mercenaries and they're right. looking for work. Just looking for money. Now, what confused me, or what at least set some alarm bells of suspicion off for me, is that they would accept being, well, I guess the promise was we're going to go, their plan is they're going to go rescue their rescue duke, the duke who's yeah. in prison. And they're like, oh, well, if we help them with that, the duke will take duke us into their employ. Yeah. But, that seems like a much more difficult way of going about it than just going to the Galgastani and being like, right. hey, let's fight for you. Oh, totally. <laughs> you guys funny. are in power. <laughs> like, if you're looking for um, money, you know, if you're a mercenary looking for work, you don't go to the poor place where the yeah. people are being trod underfoot and don't have any money and that kind of stuff. You would well, go to, to fair, the people with money. Go ahead. Goliath is a, is a, is a big uh, – Goliath is a um, – it's a port town. Um, okay, so it would have some wealth. A lot of people do through. come in from, from far away, and it is town closest to Zenobia if you look on the map. Um, oh, yeah. perfect! So they could easily just Thousand. be passing through here on their way. Yeah, they, 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 they probably yeah. just arrived. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, but it, I, I think this even does get brought up. Like, there's at one point during the battles in Amorica Castle. Uh, one of the soldiers asked him yeah. who they are and like, oh, we're mercenaries. You guys hiring? <laughs> yeah, I know. And his response to that, the soldier's like, oh, have no we loyalty. would never, we would never hire someone with, you know, with yeah. no loyalty kind of thing. <laughs> it's so funny. But, but to it, be it, fair, it, they were already in the middle of a fight, you know, it's kind of right. right. We killed a right. few of theirs. <laughs> they killed a few of ours. You but know. It, it made, it did make me wonder. And again, I'm not saying it's completely, um, that maybe uh, it, it's completely, What's the word I'm looking for? A lie? <laughs> a hard, like, impossible to believe that mm. they would do this. Right. But it, it sent off an alarm bell in my mind that they, I think they're after something more than just being mercenaries and the money. Ulterior to moves. have taken the side of these teenagers yeah. in this town right. who are on this basically suicide mission to go, like, attack Almorica Castle and, like, free their duke yeah. in, from prison. It just seems like that would not be the first... 
job that I would try to take if if I was purely a mercenary looking for money. And I, I do like how Good often uh, people are suspicious of, of the Zenobians and everything they say. And the players should be too, um, especially if they were an ogre battle player. Uh, these are the first sure. three uh, um, Warren, Lancelot, and Canopus are the three first characters you recruit in Ogre Battle. They, mm. they would be like the most loyal guys in Zenobia. I've noticed um, that. They, they <laughs> why are, would they be yeah. exiled? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, you, they, they decide they're going to join with you and they're going to help you to go and free Duke Ronway, I think his name is, right? Okay. Um, who's in prison oh, yeah. in Almorica Castle. So, you have a series of battles there. Um, there are two, I think. So you have the battle okay. at the gate, the battle inside, and then you actually free Ronway. Um, I think yeah. I want to save the conversation between Ronway and the knights and everything for next time okay, and set okay. up our, our uh, discussion of the fuller chapter one. Okay. But if there's anything we missed in the conversation between the Holy Knights and Denim and Kachua and maybe between Kachua and um, Denim. Yeah, I, as think, she's I sort think we of, kind of gloss over a lot of... Uh, what happens inside when they go inside the shack. Yeah, so they cut you. They really do uh, want you to feel suspicious about these guys. Yeah. Give you three separate dialogue options to not trust them. That's right, um, yeah. But also, in the scene in the shack, you can see that there is a, a, like a lot of push and pull going on with uh, Kachu and Vice. Yes. Um, they are the angels. They are the angels on Denim's shoulders. Oh, yeah, sure. That's essentially what's, what's happening, yeah. Yeah. But but notice that like later on, uh, Vice comes in and confronts Kachua about baby yeah. Denim, and, right. and and he talks to her like, so what's going on with like you invite the knights to uh, to the house like oh like, he's like well they could be useful to us it's like you just using people aren't you a priest you know, um, it's a lot more blunt than the original translation where there's, there's some profanity about that but it's <laughs> it's like everybody's trying to use each other. Right. Um, but Kachu is a, a, a very, uh, her entire, her motivation is uh, completely tied up with denim. <laughs> yes. That's what, yeah. That's yeah, I, I was actually kind of uh, intrigued by that. Um, particularly that line from Kachua about, well, I'm just, I saw an opportunity to use these holy knights. Because right. I, I think they made it pretty obvious that vice is impulsive. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. um... <laughs> There, there's he's a little bit I feel he's not a very likable character no like kind of right off the bat yep and so there's a part of me it's like well I don't want to like side with vice on things he seems too impulsive too uh angry resentful he's not thinking clearly right um but Tatua seemed to be yeah. the opposite, opposite but now she's using these terms like oh I saw an opportunity to use people now I'm right. wondering if she's more of a conniving character Ooh, very you know what interesting I mean? very so, interesting I, I, Kachua is a complicated girl. I think she she will she doesn't she's not always going to come off like the voice of reason. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Although she's always going to be. Oh no, she's there are times where she's not going to be reasonable at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it just seemed to me, oh, maybe I shouldn't trust either of these characters. Right. It seemed like they they have their own ends, <clears throat> and they don't really. As much as she claims to care about Denim, and this might end up being wrong. I haven't played the game before, mm. just to remind everybody. But it came across to me with that line, 
Vice and Cachua are sort of like, they have their own goals here. Yes. And Denim's sort of caught between yep. them. Yep. Uh, this is my sister. This is my friend. Right. They're both telling me to do different things. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, maybe yeah. trying to be the balance between them. But at the same time, should I, as the player, be trusting Kachua after she says something like that? Or is she just playing up her loyalty to Denim being being his sister? I don't really know what to think about her right now is what I'm trying to say. I got you. I got Based you. on that line. It gave me a little bit of Cersei Lannister vibes ah, or something like nice. that. I'm not saying she's going to be that. I'm saying that that's what I got from that line. Interesting. It seems that she's willing to use people. And, and Vice calls her out on it. Yes. He's like, you're doing the same thing we're doing. Like, where do you get your moral high horse from? Yeah. I just wanted to call back to Matsudo talking about how the character that he wrote, there wasn't such a, a thing as a tsundere. And uh, oh. after afterwards, now he's up. I don't think tsundere is a very good description of Kachua. I wouldn't say that either. No, not at all. But I think yeah. uh, I think you are supposed to feel like her attachment to Denim is genuine. Not entirely. She's got something else going on with her. You know, uh, yeah. she's she's got very strange... Uh, Emotional attachment to her brother. Yeah, and you know, um, like Denim does not seem to reciprocate it nearly as much. He's he's more casual. You're yeah, right. That, I, I did catch on to that. And That's and one point. thing she does say at the end of the scene, when everyone's left. So I would assume this is a genuine thing okay. she's trying to say because everyone's left the room. She says, "I only want to see an end of death." Yes. So there is at least that motivation. That's what I got in doing what she's doing. Go ahead. Um, another line she says earlier: "If war begins anew." We'll die just the same. Like whether we are going to be killed by these people or somebody else, if war starts, like we're going to die. Um, and I took her utilitarian like tendencies to be like, well, I will use people in the pursuit of peace, you know? So it's like she's sure. got this kind of uh, way that she can rationalize it herself. Well, that's where it starts. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Even Gandalf says, don't give me the ring, right? Yeah, because all out of pity, desire to do good, it would become a monster. Exactly. Okay, what were you going to say there, Ivan? Uh, you know, she's just always thinking a couple of steps ahead of everyone else. Uh, yeah. I think, um, but she's also not, she doesn't want to be an active participant, but she's very clearly um, running. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's where we should leave off for this week. Oh, Next no, week. no, oh, no, no, no. Another... Because we haven't yet talked about this wonderful Japanese version of chess called Shogi. Oh, yes. Big thanks to Luca Martini 9258 for turning me on to this one. So there's right. a city in Japan, uh, kind of north central Japan, actually kind of near where uh, Matsuno grew up, um, called Tendo. And Tendo, well... Kind Any of. Relation Sounds like to Nintendo. Nintendo. <laughs> I bit, I didn't check the kanji. Here, let me check the kanji. It might actually be the same. <laughs> yes, it's very similar because ten is for heaven and tendo. But there's a thing that they do in tendo that's this common thing that gets televised in Japan every now and then. They have a game in Japan called shogi. It's very similar to chess, mm. right? It's maybe a little more complicated, but it's got it's a similar kind of thing. You play it on a on a grid board, just similar to chess. Everyone's got their different pieces. Um, but Nintendo, they have humans that dress up in armor, in like old, you know, Sengoku Jidai armor, 
and they go and they physically play shogi with each other with the humans as the pieces. Mm. Now, this is definitely what uh, Matsuno and the other developers were watching when they came up with the idea to do a game like this. Mm. Um, I went back to the interview, and specifically, Minagawa says shogi in the Japanese. Now, I didn't catch it when I was listening. I was just reading the translation. But he doesn't say chess. He says shogi. shogi. He then says chess later to clarify to the translator. But he's talking about shogi. When So when he's talking about watching live action people play shogi, he is likely talking about this thing in Tendo um, that happens every year. They, mm. they do this. This is a common thing to do. And it's really fun to look at something like this. Now, I, I tried to find a TV broadcast from 1992 playing Shogi um, in Tendo, you know? I'm like, I want to get the exact broadcast that they watch. Can't find it. It's not It's not available to me. Uh, but I do have a version um, that, you can show. that I'll be showing. And it's really fun to watch. I mean, we. it's really cool that there's a bunch of cities in Japan that have very specific kind of like themes to the city. They have a mascot. They have a, oh, we do this, you know, in Fukuoka, we eat this specific kind of ramen, you know, we do this here and we do that there. And it's all a unified country, but each city has their own little idiosyncratic, like differentiator from everybody else. And in Tendo, it would be something like this because it's a small mountain town kind right. of up north. Um, but it's cool that these kind of things just keep happening and they get televised when they happen. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So that's, that's cool. where this all was born from. And now I'm really interested in getting to know how Shogi works. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, that's how they got the idea to switch it from a real-time strategy yeah. into more of a tactical strategy game. Um, stuff. Okay. Well, I think that that's going to be it for this week. All right. Uh, tune in again next time. We'll be joined again by Ivan through the whole series. Again, Warren Report, uh, as well as uh, Coffee Potato. You guys want to reach out? Let me know if you want to join us at some point. It'd be good to have you. Um, but until next week, play up till the end of Chapter 1. Make your choice. Uh, but we are doing neutral <laughs> route first, right, Ivan? Um, yeah, I also wanted to explain my reasoning for how I uh, kind of set you guys up here. Okay. Um, we're kind of front-loading you with uh, the worst route. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> because because the other ones are really, really good, but I always find that neutral is... Uh, you know, that always neat. happens. I've noticed that in video games. Um, the, the, the neutral, neutral route's never very good. It's yeah. boring and... Yeah. But to get to the neutral route, we're going to go through chaos. So we are going to pick uh, the option uh, two for the chaotic route. When the thing uh, happens. Chapter yeah. two will be chaotic. Okay, uh, it's cool. not going to be. Good to know. Chapter three is going to be neutral. Okay. Uh, so when we go back, we won't have to do chapter two again uh, because right. uh, route will branch out to neutral and chaos. So, um, so right. we're going to do neutral no, but first. People won't know what chaos that means, second, though. then law third, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have, so I have the a quick I question here. Also, is this is the most efficient way to do it because you'll have a kind of a crescendo. Um. And you'll be able to cover all the story without having to redo uh, certain parts. Redo as little as possible. That's great. Um, in terms of people playing along with us, though, um, they don't know what choice equals chaos or not. So you the second that choice. Choice, so choice, the second choice two at the end of chapter one okay. is going lunacy. to be the... Is also yeah. Uh, stop this lunacy is specifically what the choice is. That's the choice we're going to okay. make 
as we progress. You can okay. choose to play the same routes as us or not. Yeah. But um, that's what we're going to do. So The story is quite different depending on what you choose yeah. from that point. Yes. It's uh I mean Chaos Neutral, there is a lot of similarities since you know they do share a chapter. But Law is not like them. Okay. Uh, you do meet a lot of the same characters and they'll be in different places, they'll have different hmm. they might have different relationships. Man, there should have um, been three different games. <laughs> well, I like, think like what uh, Fire Emblem did with Fire Emblem. Three Fate. houses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, no, obviously, I, I'd like it to say <laughs> one game, but <laughs> save some money, right? Uh, especially if it's on the Super Nintendo, but they might have they might have tried to tighten it up a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't think you're gonna get like quite the organic experience because uh, you kind of know what choices you're gonna make, and it's uh, you're you're not there. Um, gotcha. Making the decision yourself, but uh, in order to make a linear podcast, it's, it has a beginning and end, and it doesn't yeah. loop in yeah, on itself. I understand it's... Yeah, um, <laughs> you need to decide on how you want to do it way ahead Gotcha. Of okay, well, this is the way we're going to do it. So yeah, I agree with that. So that's what Me we're going to do. Hit us up next week, and uh, we'll see you then. Peace out. Bye, guys.